The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. I'm Diana Marzalek. I'm a senior reporter with The Homes Report. And joining me today is Therese Caruso, who is Zeno Group's Managing Director of Global Strategy and Insights. Hello. Therese is with me today to discuss one of her many areas of expertise and one of her favorite subjects, which is the next generation of young consumers and what marketers need to know about reaching them. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here, Diana. Um, I'm curious myself of how, how you are defining young consumers. So a lot of brands and organizations define them as Gen Z, and we at Xeno Group define them as Gen We, because I believe the millennial generation is so vast, 85 million consumers just in the United States alone are millennials. And so I believe that the older millennials, the Gen Ys, are now in their 30s. I think they turned 41 or 42 this year. The younger millennials are in their 20s, and they're, to me, that's Gen Z. The younger consumers, to me, youth is anybody that's in middle school, high school, college, up to age 22, 23. And the reason why I define them differently is because they're really nothing like millennials. They're very, very different. In what way? Um, well, the first thing, and I'll, I'll throw out a stat in the beginning of this, um, just to sort of get us rolling, is that 63% of 13 to 17-year-olds select brands that mirror their core values. And this is a big challenge, I think, as a, as a marketer and a strategic planner. Um, I think this is a challenge because as brands start to market to this generation more and more, if they want to mirror their core values, they kind of need to know what the core values are and what defines them. Values are things that move you in life. Values make you do things. Values define your behavior. So their values are different than the millennials by and large because they were raised by different parents. And so if you think about it, Diana, if you think about the boomers and how they raised millennials, they were called the helicopter parents. They really told their kids, you can do anything you want to do, and we're here to support you. And if you fall down, I will lift you up. And they literally went to college with their kids. Yes. The Gen Xers did not do that and continue to not do that. They have told their kids, it's a tough world out there. What are you going to do to help the world? I may not be able to send you to college. What is your ethos in life? And they're letting these kids individualize and define who they are on their own. Well, kids, though, you're talking somewhat of a moving target. No, aren't they still developing their values? You know, I would have to say that these kids, I mean, if you're talking about high school and college kids, they know who they are today and they know what their values are. More so than previous generations? Definitely, without a doubt. Um, and, if, and if I may, I mean, the values that define them, and this is through research that we, um, that we have, their differentiated values in order um, are adventure, discovery, uh, creativity, self-expression, ambition, purpose. And if you look at the differentiated values of the generation before them, they're different. Um, and that's how we know that these kids are moving forward in life in a very, very different way. Well, it sounds like it when you mention these values. I mean, these are like kids you want to know, right? They're not, you're talking about, not talking about materialism. You're not talking about, um, 
you know, where where they are in life stature. I mean, things like adventure and purpose. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, these are kids that you want to know. And I, I always say they're influencing in a disproportionate way. So what I mean by that is that, you know, it used to be the kids used to, like, pester their parents. I want this, I want this, I want this. And the parents would say, I'll look into it or, you know, I'll, I'll think about it. Now it's kind of the other way around. <laughs> the parents are asking the kids everything. And the kids are saying, you know, wow, like, I go find it out yourself. Because these kids can do anything, find anything. If they want something, they have a really good reason why they want it because they have their phones in their hands and they're on their phones all day long. In a good way, though, in terms of them being very resourceful and basically being able to do anything. Well, I think we've seen examples of that, like with the Parkland kids during the last year and the activism that they've taken on. But I'm wondering what caused it? Is it, or I, I'm sure it's a multi, multitude of causes, but you mentioned the difference in parenting, um, the phones, the access. Um, they're more politically aware of the information. I mean, how did we get kids like this versus the generation of, in front of them? Well, you, uh, we what all the factors that you just mentioned absolutely have defined who they are. And, you know, they're not even the tech natives like the millennials who, who did know a world without technology. These guys have always known a world with technology. I call them the digital intuitives. Um, but also the fact that, again, I'm going to take it back to values. The values that are rising among this generation are things like social responsibility, open-mindedness, equality, preserving the environment. The values that are going down are things like romance, friendship, enduring love, sex. Those values are going down, and those are very personal social values. The ones that are going up are the broader social values. And really, by and large, it's because of the world they're growing up in. I mean, look at this world that these kids are growing up in, and they don't have their parents hovering over them, helping them through. They have their parents sort of drop kicking them out of the front door. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think Gen X parents are, are strong and gritty and courageous themselves, and they're raising a generation who they want to be just as strong and gritty as they are. And so that's a market difference than the millennials, correct? Which we've spent so much time, marketers have spent so much time on trying to engage and how to reach them. But this is a whole other ballgame. This is a whole other ballgame. Now, I, I call the millennials the tribe of individuals because they're very individualistic, but they go with the tribe. Um, and if one person from the tribe is weaker, the other members of the tribe lift them up and say, oh, fine, no problem. They're the most polite generation we've ever seen are millennials. These kids are not as polite. Um, if, if somebody, and they don't have tribes, they're very individualistic, and if someone in the group is not doing their part, they will call them out, and they will say, look, I'm doing my job. I'm starting a, a company in my basement. What are you doing? So they're sort of calling each other out, and they're doing that with brands, too. And how are they doing that? So they have a very interesting dynamic, and I think this is what brands really need to understand. The dynamic with brands is that millennials joined brands. They kind of wore brands like a, like a badge of pride on their sleeve. These kids don't join brands. They like brands, but they use them to build their own brands. I've been to a lot of focus groups with these kids, and I love listening to them. If you say to them, what's your favorite brand? You know, they'll, they'll say the typical brands, Nike, you know, Apple, like the Target, like the typical brands on the top. Ulta comes across, you know, all of the different age groups. They love Ulta because they buy beauty brands more than they buy anything else. Really? But if you ask them, really, if you start asking them the question like nine different ways, what they will do is come back to the fact that they are their favorite brand. 
They are building their own brands every day. They invented YouTube. They're out there doing tutorials and starting companies, and it's all about them and their brands. Not that they're selfish and self-centered. It's that they feel the world needs them, and the world needs them to do their part to make everything better. So beware brands um, today. If you don't understand these guys and if you don't know exactly what they want, hence the values discussion, they, will, they won't really be interested in you. Uh, and I also think that like Apple beware and like some of these technology brands because they're not using you because you're Apple. They're using you because you're helping them do the job that they have to do. Right, because they don't have the history at this point with those brands necessarily. I, I feel like, gosh, like even if they did, they would still abandon a brand that isn't doing its part, you know, that isn't standing for something. Because it's like, for them, it's not really about the product itself. It's about what are you doing? What are you doing? Your product better damn well be great you know but it's like what are you doing for me what are you doing for my generation what are you doing for my parents what are you doing for my local community it's all about that and yet you're talking about them as individuals so if they are branding themselves basically how what is the challenge there i mean how do how do brands supposed to reach an entire generation of individuals great that's a great question i'd love to answer that one please do <laughs> um so um we, we're up against this every day as, at Xeno Group, like as an agency. The, our, our clients come to us and they say, okay, how do we market to this specific audience? We always start with, do you know what the values of this audience is? And let's just say brands want to reach Gen We, Gen Z, and Gen Y. They say, you know, we want to reach everybody, just like all youth, like going up to maybe 40 years old. What we do is we say, okay, let's look across the values of these separate groups because really they all have different values because they're all different ages, they're at different life stages, they grew up in kind of a different way in a different world. Then we say, let's look at the shared values that each one of these generations has and let's pull out a set of shared values and let's share it with you, Coca-Cola, and let's see what your values are. Do your values actually match do your values mirror the shared values of the audiences that you want to reach? And if they do, then let's define your values as if you're human, as if you're like a friend of all of these people. And I feel like that's a really effective way to understand because right now the dynamism of all of these generations and all of these groups, I mean, seeing that at, at the top of this, I said, Gen We, the young kids are so different than millennials. What do you do as a marketer? You know, do you say I'm only marketing now to 14 to 21 year olds? Or do you look across the groups and say, what do they have in common? And how do I speak to them? And do they have things in common? They definitely do. Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing that that the younger generation has in common with, you know, the, the millions of millennials that are out there that are now becoming parents themselves is that these people, these individuals, all have a sense of purpose. Um, and so the bigger, the higher order for brands is to be able to articulate what, why are you here? And when I say purpose, it goes way beyond cause. Why are you here? If you disappeared from the face of the earth, what would we be missing? And I think if brands can answer that question in an ownable and differentiated way, then they really can capture the attention of um, you know, a group of people in a way that's very authentic. I find that fascinating the way, and very interesting the way you um, describe purpose, because I have often wondered how a, a brand that is not born with purpose necessarily, or known for purpose, looks into itself and finds a value or finds its purpose. Mm -hmm. See, I, I think um, 
I think it's almost easier for brands that weren't born with purpose. Like, you know, take a brand. This is like such a typical brand for purpose, though. And I'm just using it to illustrate a point. Understood. Um, so let's take a brand like Tom's. Mm -hmm. Right, it's like that brand kind of like hit the scene or Patagonia. Yes, you know these brands have always had p purpose in their DNA, but other brands and let's take a brand like Spotify. I, I love their purpose. They say that their purpose is to deliver music to everyone, whenever everyone wants it and wherever everyone wants. So they're it. just putting it out there because they that's what they do. That's exactly. what they do. That's what they do. That's what they do. And that's Toyota. Their purpose. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Their purpose is mobility for all simple um, platform that everyone can understand, but they're going way beyond what their product does. It's about what are they doing for the world. Spotify is bringing music to the world. Toyota is making sure that everyone's mobile no matter who you are. Um, and that other brands are defined not with purpose at their center, are defining purpose in a way that goes so much beyond cause. Of course, they're all doing cause, but they're defining themselves in a way that people are saying, now that's a brand that I could attach myself to. Oh, I love that because it's very real world. I mean, I understand the necessity and the calls for corporate responsibility, social responsibility and purpose. But when you describe a Spotify, this is what they do. And if they were gone, you would not have access to that music. Exactly. And people would panic, especially <laughs> right. the, the uh, generation we're talking about. Today. That's one of their favorite brands, the Spotify. Is it? Oh, is yeah. It? Yeah, that's right up there. Now, why would they gravitate toward that versus another brand? I mean, well, I think it's a good question. I mean, I, I think that I would love to work with Spotify one day. Um, I think that Spotify is doing a great job because they they have absolute access to everything. They don't leave anything out. So if you're a person that listens to everything from rock to jazz to alternative and everything in between, you have one place to go. And all you have to do is hit that search button and you're there. And the other thing that Spotify does beautifully is that these kids are super frugal. They're, okay. they're so, they are so aware of money. It's incredible. And it's probably because the Xers are pretty practical, their parents. Right. But the, you can be on Spotify for free. Oh, and they know it. And right. they know it. And then if they re are really passionate about a certain you know, group or you know, they'll spend the $10 a month or whatever it is, um, and they'll probably get their parents to pay for it um, so that everyone can get in on it. But um, you know, I, I think that that's what that brand does so beautifully because it's sort of access for all. It's very democratic. So are, is, it, is it harder to reach this group given that they are frugal and it sounds like they want um, sort of a catch-all in their products and they don't have that brand loyalty? Are they harder to woo? Um, are they harder to woo? Maybe a little harder to woo, but I think, I think that the the most important thing that brands need to do to get them is to understand what they're what's important to them, like even down to what are they learning in school, and and what kind of content can you deliver to them. So I think that they need to know exactly where these kids are in their lives, what are they learning, what's important to them, and they need to interact with them where they are. There's sort of a rule here that if you're a brand, you need to behave like a 16-year-old if you want to reach a 16-year-old. Right. So if you're on Instagram, you need to answer them, almost as if you're a friend. Like they love Rihanna. Right. They love Rihanna on Instagram because if they, if they Instagram Rihanna, Rihanna Instagrams them back. Like they feel like they're a real close friend of Rihanna. Same thing with a brand. If you're a brand, like I think Netflix also does a great job with this audience because they deliver content 
anytime the kids need the content. It's right. completely relevant to these kids' lives. It shows the broad spectrum of every teenager or, you know, college student out there. They see their faces. You know, they have content for everyone. And so it's a brand that they can really relate to. And, and Netflix is also really good on social media. And so a couple of these brands that we've discussed, the, the Netflix or the Spotify's of the world, mm -hmm. those brands are sort of endemic to this generation because they are serving content the way kids are consuming it. But what about the established brands of the world, the older brands um, that maybe in past generations have marketed to their parents versus to the kids themselves? That must be a, a, a big twist for them. Right. Um, I mean, one of the brands that always winds up like way at the top of the list for these kids is Oreo. Really? Uh, oh, they love Oreo. Who Oreos doesn't love Oreos? Like, right. But they really love Oreos, um, and they trust Oreo. Um, so I think, um, and that's that's that brand's been around forever. And how do you trust um, an Oreo? <laughs> so I mean, I, I think the reason why they trust an Oreo um, is because of some of the the campaigns that Oreo has done, like over the last few years, like that beautiful Wonder campaign. They they reach a side of kids that kids can relate to, and they mm -hmm. don't try to be anything that they're not. Smart. You know, mm -hmm. they're an Oreo cookie. They're delicious, and they deliver joy. And, and that's what they do. Um, so, and Oreo is absolutely, I mean, I, I don't know this for sure, but I have to believe that they do as a brand marketer. They are going directly to the kids. You know, Amazon is a big brand they love. Um, of course, Apple. Um, H&M, Under Armour, Adidas, um, Nike, they all, you know, fall on the top. Um, Google, they love. Converse, Microsoft, Spotify. Like, these are all the brands, but a lot of them are technology Right. Obviously. Because that's um, where they're at. <laughs> related brands. And they really do love the beauty category. Really? They love beauty. So I said they were really frugal. So they will spend more money. If they had $10, they'll spend $8 on beauty. Hmm. And then they'll parcel out that $2 that they have. And they might buy something like to jazz up an outfit. You know, these are the kids that will say to their parents, I don't want to spend $15, you know, on that. I'd rather save it. And I'd rather spend it on this. You know, so and they're also very aware of their economic power. So it's, it's not atypical for um, this generation to understand I'm in a family that has a lot. Okay. And I know that my friend doesn't have a lot. They're very, very sensitive to that. And they want everybody to have what they need. They're like a very concerned generation um, about each other and, the, and the, the role of people and government and community. They're pretty savvy. It sounds like that. It really harkens back to, you know, 40, 50 years ago to some degree when kids were rising up. Um, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I they're concerned. They're educated. They're aware. They're questioning everything. I mean, these are the kids that are going to, I think, change the whole education system because they ask the right questions. Why do we need to know this? How is this going to help the world? Generations before this, they didn't question anything. They went to school. They did what they were told. These kids, not so much. Like they're not, do and it's not because they're re rebellious. Right. They're not anti-establishment. It doesn't no. sound like they're anti-establishment or anti-consumerism. Um, no, rules. not at all. No. Um, it's just that they want to know why we have to do this. How is this going to help the world and me in my life as I get older? So, um, yeah, you, you mentioned Parkland before. I mean amazing how these kids got together, rose up, and just in a very courageous way, just went and said, this is what we need. And we very intuitive, I think. I agree with you. Very intuitive. So 
with the values that these kids have, how are they looking as consumers moving forward? Will these kids have money to spend? I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I really hope so. I mean, I, you know, I, I went to a presentation um, and I heard a, a, um, a statistic that I thought was so uh, inspiring that by 2024, the top 10 jobs will be completely different than what we know today. Do they, did they say what they are or they're just going to be different? They didn't say what they are, um, but what they did say is that they're being driven by the new generation of college students that are now graduating and going out into the world. They have a very different view on what they want to be doing. And, you know, we hear so much about STEM and um, girls and how girls want to be in fields that they, you know, haven't really populated in the past. So it really is all being driven. I don't want to take anything away from you know, people that are in their 20s because they're carving their own path and they're actually um, making way for these kids. I think the millennials have done a beautiful job asking the right questions and questioning the system. And they've led the way so that these kids have an easier time, like, you know, following in the snow path of that the millennials have carved out. What is your um, group for generations? What's the... Um... The, the, the age like span, the age, like yeah, yeah. The age groups. So what what would what would a, a span be for a group of consumer? What would the age span be or the time? So um, the the generation that we're talking about right now, I mean, as I said, some marketers call it Gen Z, we call it Gen We. I would say that they're like ten years old and they go up to twenty two years old. This year they'll be twenty three um, in twenty nineteen. I believe that the generation, the newest generation that is below the age of ten to twelve, is going to be a little different. Uh, than this generation even, because the millennials are now becoming parents, and, and some say in record numbers. And when I say millennials, um, they are ages 23, 24, up to 41. And then Gen, Gen X are 42 to like 54, and then you have the boomers. But now that the millennials are having their own children, um, if you want to just... Um, understand how to prioritize generations, I think that the kids of the millennials, because I always say millennials have the both end syndrome, um, Gen Xers knew exactly what they wanted and where they were planted, whereas millennials, um, I don't remember what I, I said this the other day to my team on my whiteboard, um, I said they're free range and Harvard bound. Yes. Um, so, so they want their kids to go outside and breathe the fresh air and, and really have have an easy time and, and um, soak in the wonder of the world. But then they also worry. They're a little fear-based because they know how competitive the world is and they want their kids to, like, go to Harvard or Yale. So I don't really know the effect of that on the new generation. I'm very curious, and I will totally follow it, as I have with every other generation. But I'm curious as to what that's going to be. And I know it's going to look different because, as I said before, the Xers raised – Gen Weeds, and they are the way they are, a lot like their parents. Um, and the millennials are going to, I think they're going to be a little bit different as parents than their boomer parents, but they're going to be more similar. So we'll have to check in on that when we have to schedule another podcast. And yes, <laughs> to I'm, be ha discussed. I'm happy to because we're at the agency, we're doing um, we're doing a lot of work there. I mean, at Xeno, we call it the human project, and we, we really look at humans like from a values-based platform so that we can help brands understand how to market to them. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it, and I look forward to continuing the conversation, which you uh, a lot of food for thought here and, and moving forward. And uh, it sounds like, I mean, these kids just sound great to me, and I hope that that's what we see with them moving forward. Thank you. I do, too. And thanks for having me. I appreciate My it. My pleasure. You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. 
brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today.